you know, with the whole, you know, three stresses at one time. Like, I, I, I think a lot of people don't realize. I mean, it was hard for everybody, but specifically for black people, spe more specifically for black men, that was a lot. Yeah, that yeah. was a lot, you know, with Kobe and George Floyd and COVID. And it was just a lot. And I think to say that you made it out of that, people don't give themselves enough credit, man. That was Charles Crouch. He and Corbin Coleman are founders of the 4C Visuals Group. Uh, they make documentary films. Their film in 2019 was I'm Good Bro, Unmasking Black Male Depression. They're back with part two, which is I'm Good Bro 2020. Their film will be featured at the Charlotte Black Film Festival June 23rd through 26th. If you're in the area, it's well worth it to attend. Uh, stay tuned. We're going to talk a lot about uh, how they weather 2020 and the black male experience of it. We'll be right back. into relationships and you hosted by toby jenkins a licensed marriage and family therapist serving central kentucky each week toby will bring you a show with a topic related to mental health relationships or self-improvement the name of the show paradigm comes from that moment in the therapy process when a profound shift in perspective happens for a client an epiphany sometimes accompanied by physical reaction that leads them to look at things differently and make significant steps towards improving and enriching their lives. listening to Paradigm Insights into Relationships and You. I'm your host, Toby Jenkins, and today I'm honored to have uh, some repeat guests. Uh, the founders of 4C Visuals Group, uh, Charles Crouch and Corbin Coleman. You may remember them being on the show about two years ago with their one of their early films, I'm Good Bro, Unmasking Black Male Depression. That was uh, right. We were just talking before we got on. Um, that was right uh, pre-COVID pre-shutdown. Also joined by Shine the Chef, aka, I said that backwards, didn't I? It's Sean Morrison, aka Shine the Chef. Hey, man, it's, it's whatever. Did <laughs> <laughs> <I> it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, so when you guys made um, I'm Good Bro Part One, it definitely touched a nerve. And, uh, you know, if we look at, that was what, 2019? Mm -hmm. And there had been a series and maybe a movement towards normalizing black men in particular, seeking help for uh, mental health distress and getting help. And, you know, then COVID hit. And so um, and that film was getting circulated, a uh, lot of rave reviews, a lot of film festivals, a lot of awards. And so now you now you've made a I'm Good Bro Part Two 2020 now. What was your inspiration for making part two and what's it about? So, so part two, uh, originally, um, we were going to make it more solution focused based upon the information that we presented in part one. And uh, of course, COVID hit 
And keyword, we did a pivot based upon a discussion, the discussion me and Charles had. Um, and we were just talking, let's let's change directions on this because we felt that you know, the whole pandemic and COVID and everything that was going on during that time in 2020, you know, it really affected a lot of people. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of traumas were were that the traumas that you didn't know about surfaced. Yes. <laughs> the, the injustices <laughs> that you didn't know about surfaced. So a yes. lot of things is what it came to a head during that time. And, you know, one of the things that, and I'll let Chuck uh, wrap it up on that. Um, one of the things that, that when we talked about, we were concerned about, was it, was it too soon? Mm-hmm. Right. You know, was it too soon? And, and um, Chuck, you go ahead and explain why we decided to do it you know, after that part was brought up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so originally I, Quote, I don't know if you remember, we were just going to actually, once 2020, you know, just kind of started unfolding. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I told Corbin, but I said, we, we need to capture this. So we're, we were originally going to do like a little 10 minute mini documentary about 2020, but then things just kept happening. Yeah. You know, and I think it was, I think it was when, uh, you know, George Floyd happened and, and, you know, it's certain things we didn't even, you know, we didn't even touch on in the documentary, like all the election stuff that went on, mm. mm-hmm. um, you know, because we were just like, I just don't even want to get this. I, I just don't want to give this any, any more attention. Um, right. But, be, you know, because it was so much happening, you know, I said, this just needs to be part two. I said, because black men, I mean, everybody suffered, you know, but but black men suffered a lot, you know, you know, seeing seeing our brothers being killed on TV and our sisters and losing jobs and, you know, black people, you know, black men getting COVID at disproportionate rates. It's like that's stressing us out. And so it just eventually turned into part two of uh, I'm good, bro. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, you know, one of the, we, we can easily forget because it, you know, we're in this kind of time warp from when that time was, um, but one of the things you guys connect early is the death of Kobe Bryant and mm-hmm. Kobe, the death of Kobe Bryant what was that in February of 2020. It was January 26th. It was my January sister's 26th. birthday. And I did, so I distinctly remember that day. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, as for many significant events uh, in my life, I was on the golf course. <laughs> There's so many things <laughs> that I find out about while I'm playing golf. And I, I was playing with a good friend. And um, one of the main reasons I don't like people have phones on the golf course, we're like on hole number 11. Mm-hmm. And he says, oh, my gosh, Kobe Bryant died. And you know, that kind of wrecked me for the rest of the, of, of the, ro- of the round because it was just – mind-boggling um mm-hmm. and then you find out later um who else is in the helicopter mm-hmm. and then it just gets even worse knowing that his daughter was with him yeah but um you know celebrities die it seems like more and more celebrities die that one that one particular struck a nerve and so yeah. um not knowing that a month two months later three months later 
things would take a turn with COVID. But, you know, at that time, now, as you reflect back on it, and it's very well done in the film, you know, how, how what, what, what meaning have you assigned to Kobe's death, looking back on it now? Um, for me, it was, I look at, and I don't know if anyone else does this, I look at when I was first introduced to Kobe. So for me, it was remembering where I was when I first heard about him. You know, yeah. go back to 96. Where was I in 96? <laughs> you know, I, I was I was working at what well, a summer 96, I remember. I was working at Disney World doing my internship. I remember Shaq. I remember the Bulls 72 and 10 season. I remember, yeah, you know, I remember yeah. the Olympics was in Atlanta. I remember, you know, it's that that 96. That could be a documentary on its own, just the year 1996. You know, yeah. a lot of big things happened. And Allen Iverson, you know, the, that class, the NBA class. And I'm hearing about this kid, like, who is this Kobe Bryant? You know, who, who is this guy? You know, because what was it? Kevin Durant was first. Then it was Kobe. No, no, you think oh, okay. Kevin Garnett. Yeah. 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 So it, it, it was so I'm like, okay. And I'm like, this guy wanna be like Michael Jordan. I mean, I'm seeing, you know, all this stuff, and I'm seeing similarities. So, but it made me think about my, my mortality, because he's that he's not that much younger than me. Yep. That's why it hit because you have a whole generation that seen him come in the league, do what he does, uh, all the accomplishments and everything, retires, have, what do they call it? The, his, his, the, the, the second half of your life, the. Yeah. yeah the next yeah, act. Absolutely. Was beginning. Yeah. 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 The, the, yeah. Act, the second act. Won a, a Oscar. Mm-hmm. You know, yep. so it's like, you see him doing this, that the whole girl, dad thing, you know, all of these different things. And then just abrupt. Man. That's yeah. what I think. Yeah. Because we we followed him. We seen him grow yeah. up. And it didn't seem real. Right. It did not. It was like, what? No. Yeah, like we had just seen him like maybe two days before. Right. <laughs> and I had just bought a Kobe jersey uh like a month or two before. And I don't even buy jer- I haven't bought a jersey since I bought my Magic Johnson jerseys. Mm, I remember that, Sean. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. Exactly. You remember how long ago that was. I yeah. had a Michigan State magic jersey, a USA. Yeah. But anyway, so yeah, that I mean, that was I was like, huh? That don't even make sense. Yeah. But it was it was real. Yeah, I I uh I still contend, you know, there there was the grief after it, and whether you were a Kobe fan or not, um my my take on it is that. In, in circles of black men, as we talked about it at the time, we were not just grieving Kobe Bryant. It gave us an excuse to grieve some of the other stuff that we don't talk about or that we do talk about that yeah. we don't really uh, work through those kind of tough emotions for. Because I joked, uh, you know, we had a after a fraternity meeting, we were still sitting around talking about Kobe Bryant. And, you know, there were tears in the room. And I kept thinking, Ted, this, this ain't all about Kobe. And so it just kind of goes to show um, there's a lot more, especially when your heroes and idols die like that. Um, And it gave, I think it gave us an excuse to uh, 
be emotional and be sad about some of the other things that make it really yeah. tough to be who we are. It was kind of interesting. Yeah, true to take a look true at. Um, but yeah, that was kind of so in your film. Um, that's kind of the uh, the first event before we get to the other event. <laughs> the, before we get to the other events, <laughs> and so um, you know, um, it was just. Uh, I mean, no, who could predict that would be the thing that kind of starts things? Because I think then the next event, which uh -huh. actually got kind of shelved for a bit, but mm -hmm. um, the death of Ahmad Arbery was shortly yeah. after that right but right. it kind of stayed under wraps didn't get publicized for like maybe a month or so is that yeah. right mm -hmm. yeah so yeah. so that was uh you know in, in therapy terms uh we tend to think uh, generally we can deal with three stressors at one time mm -hmm. and so it's usually that fourth one no matter how usually it's something small that kind of sets you off right um but of course, then, uh, you know, actually, ironically, I was looking back through some of our email exchanges. It was around that time, early March, we were actually trying to schedule a, uh, a screening mm -hmm. for yeah. April of 2020 yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, of I'm Good Bro Part One. And then yeah. everything <laughs> bottom dropped out. <laughs> yeah, Everything dropped out. Um, yeah. well, we're up against our first commercial break. Um, my guests are the founders of 4C Visuals Group, uh, Charles Crouch and Corbin Coleman. And we're talking about their new film, um, Good Bro Part 2, 2020. We'll be right back after this break. This is Toby Jenkins, founder of Jenkins Couples and Family Therapy and host of Paradigm, Insights into Relationships and You. Jenkins Couples and Family Therapy is a proud sponsor and supporter of Paradigm, Insights into Relationships and You. At Jenkins Couples and Family Therapy, we work with couples, families, and individuals walking with you through life's challenges and transitions. You can find out more about Jenkins Couples and Family Therapy and request an appointment through telehealth or in person at www.jenkinscft.com. Dot com or by calling 859-806-0093. We are back. You are listening to Paradigm Insights into Relationships and You. I'm your host, Toby Jenkins. Today, I have Shine the Chef and the founders of 4C Visuals Group, uh, Chuck Crouch and Corbin Coleman. So, uh, you know, before uh, the break, we were talking about... Um, uh, the inspiration for making I'm Good Bro 2, which actually came very close on the heels of I'm Good Bro 1. And so, uh, Chuck, you were fe pretty much featured and were very transparent about your own path through figuring out that you were battling depression, um, getting help with depression. And so I'm kind of curious, like, that series of events between the death of Kobe in January. And we talked, we talked about some of the murders that took place and then the shutdown, uh, for you, what was that experience like for you in terms of like, did it make your depression 
worse? Did you have to, how did you cope through that? Cause that was a tough time for everyone. Yeah. Um, it, it did, um, you know, like in the movie, um, you know, I, you know, I lost my job. Like I did not see that coming. Um, mm. and <clears throat> You know, it was quick, man. It was just like, hey, you got a meeting at 1230. My boss is like, you got a meeting at 1230 and you can take lunch after that. I was like, all right, cool. Oh, wow. <laughs> and uh, wow. Needless, needless to say, after the meeting, I, I did not have a job. Really? Yeah. I wow. mean, it was and it was just like, please hold all your questions until after the meeting. But once they said that, they was like, OK, thank you. And, and, and just ended the meeting. So, so was it just you? Because, you know, during this time, also, a lot of companies were uh, cutting lots of jobs. No, it was time. It was I just, it was 30 people on that call. Wow. On a call. It was. Yeah, because we we're all working from home at that point. Wow. There were 30 people on that call. I mean, from managers to I mean, IT people and. I mean, it was just very like, like I said, it was just kind of like, you know, you know, you, you're terminated, have a nice life. I mean, it was just very cold and just, <laughs> you know, yeah. and so, you know, so obviously that brought about some anxiety, um, a lot of anxiety, mm. um, you know, and, and at this point, I don't think anybody knew how bad COVID was going to get because that was still right at the beginning. So, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of people thought, you know, maybe this will blow over, you know, so dealing with that, got through that. But what I did not mention, and this was more um, something that I did not mention uh, in, the, in the film was that during this whole time, I'm like slowly watching my father die. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. Uh, if you notice at the end. Yeah. You know, yeah. yeah. I was going to ask you about that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that was, you know, that was really unexpected. Mm -hmm. um, you know, he, I remember he went, he went in the hospital um, um, and like the, towards the end of October and within two weeks, he he, he had passed away. Well, so um, was that from COVID or something else? No, no, it wasn't even from COVID. He, um, my dad had some radiation for a benign tumor in his head. This was like ten years ago, and I remember uh, the doctor saying this may cause some dementia. May mm. you know? I wouldn't worry right. about it right now, and um, <clears throat> and so we would see little signs, but like. You know, you can ask, you know, ask Corb, you know, he's, he's met my dad a few times, you know, you know, pretty, pretty young hearted guy, healthy, you know, he came to our first screening, um, you know, he never, you know, like forgot anybody's name we had, but he, I mean, he was still driving and like yeah. within a week, man, he just went down. So I was dealing with that, um, you know, and then all the, you know, trying to explain to my son, you know, why these people are are, are burning stuff down on, on the TV. Yeah. How old you your know? son? Uh, he's 10. He's 10. Mm. He's 10. Um, and I don't know if you remember, um, 
in the movie, you hear me having a, son, a conversation with my son. Mm-hmm. And that was an actual real conversation that we had. I just happened to press record on my phone. Oh, really? Because I was <laughs> like, this is a teachable moment. Mm-hmm. And so I just kind of extracted the audio from the video and just. Mm. Yeah, it was it was rough, man. I mean, like I. I, I restarted therapy after that, yeah. you know, so, yeah. but, you know, we, you know, you, you, you get through it and, you know, you, you know, you go on with your life. So, but yeah, it was, it was, it was real tough. It was extremely tough. Yeah. So how do you feel in terms of like uh, where you are now? Like if you looked at it from a quote unquote recovery perspective, mm-hmm. how do you feel like where you are today compares to where you were let's say even a year ago or during that time i'll be honest with you uh sean i during right in the in the in the core of 2020 um i can honestly say that even though it was very tough i I have to congratulate myself which is something i i have a hard time doing but i actually think i held it together pretty pretty well yeah, yeah. I, I really did because so much was going on, but I was just able to, you know, just kind of implement these these coping strategies that you, you know, that you learn over the years. Awesome. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I I think I handled it pretty well. I mean, obviously, I still miss my dad a lot. We're very close, you know, um, so I yeah. still have my moments, but I also have to keep in mind, you know, that nobody was closer to him than my mom. So, you know, yeah. you know, just making sure she's good. But um, I mean, now I will say that had I not had those coping strategies in place, you know, it it, it probably would have been a lot worse. Not not like, you know, thinking uh, about, you know, suicide or anything. But, you know, I just I just managed to, to get through it and just kind of look at the positives and everything. Yeah. So then what about your son? Like, how did he did you see um, an imp, you know, any change in him during this time? Or do you feel like he kind of kind of got through it without uh, the an obvious impact, but maybe something was it may show up later? Yeah. um, One thing I did notice about my son was he was he was terrified of, of catching COVID, but, but, but I think that he thought if you caught it, you were going to die. Yeah. Well, that's what they, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and, and my son is, uh, he's, my son is on the spectrum. So I kind of have to, you kind of have to break things down a little differently to them. Uh, but that was, and, and I, I didn't really notice it until one time we, we just went to a park. And like he literally would not get out the car. Wow. And I was like, and he loved parts. I was like, Joe, what's wrong? He was like, it's too many people. Like, I'm scared. Mm-hmm. I was like, wow. And I said, buddy, we're fine. Yeah, we got masks and everything. So, but you know, he he got through that and you know, he's 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 fine. He's fine. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So um, you know, going back to that period of time with uh, the first documentary you made now COVID mm-hmm. now you probably uh, probably the worst time ever to be in the full like promotion mode trying to 
get the message out and you guys do a lot of film festivals um because like we were going to do a, a screening and then everything shut down so um what was kind of the life uh, of uh or how did how did the uh the pandemic affect like part one in what you were doing or what you had planned to do with it with, with part one you know ironically we were getting a lot of people reaching out Mm -hmm. So, you know, again, keyword pivot. So instead of doing in-person, you know, screenings, we went virtual. Hmm. Yeah. So we decided to, um, I think, what was it for like, was it like four or six weeks straight? We were interviewing the cast. You mm, know, absolutely. Yeah, like at least one person on the cast, you know, uh, and, you know, giving their perspectives and, and their background and everything like that. And, um you know, more and more people was reaching out. And again, because people were sitting still. So yeah. they, they wanted more information. So it was, I, I'm, I'm elected to say a perfect storm in a sense, but mm -hmm. our, our views went up mm -hmm. <laughs> during the time, um, like a lot. You know, um, all the film festivals, you know, they went virtual because we couldn't attend in person. So we were getting more interviews. <laughs> so it was just sort of, things sort of picked up. For us during that. That really worked out. It really yeah. worked out. Yeah. <laughs> and, and and if you ever want to measure something during that time, um, go back to when ESPN released The Last Dance. The Last uh -huh. Dance wasn't supposed to come out when it did. It was supposed to come out later. Yeah. Ah. Pushed it up. So that tells you people were eager to watch something, to see something. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And and your the topic um, mm -hmm. couldn't have been any better. I mean, it's uh, you definitely touched a nerve. And um, you that part one and part two will 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 spurn or not spurn is not the right word. Will create conversations that need to be had, right? Um, yes. And mm -hmm. bring things out of the shadows that um, typically are covered in shame, or we don't want to talk about it, or. Mm -hmm. And so, so that part, um, it's kind of interesting you say that because, uh, COVID has not been all bad. Um, it, it personally, like being in the work I do, um, I had more work than I knew what to do with <laughs> through COVID and it still, right. still continues. Mm -hmm. Um, but it, it's definitely, it was definitely not an equal opportunity, uh, thing because there's a lot of people that suffered, um, through COVID absolutely you know lost their lives so it's such a weird uh weird thing but um we're up against uh one minute insight and we're going to take a quick break but uh today we're talking about i'm good bro 2 2020 with founders of the of 4c visuals group chuck uh, crouch and corbin coleman we'll be right back This is Toby Jenkins, host of Paradigm, Insights into Relationships and You, and this is One Minute Insight. One of the problematic patterns in relationships that I'm always on the lookout for is trauma bonding. And trauma bonding essentially means that you and this other person you are in a relationship with have had a very similar traumatic experience, i.e. loss of a significant loved one, um, you've been cheated on in previous relationships, um, you've been a survivor of sexual assault, um, physical assault or emotional abuse. And so what happens is that this common experience becomes really what your relationship is about. And when it becomes toxic is when 
the orientation of your relationship is only defined by that one thing. Or when one person uh, basically heals or starts growing beyond it and doesn't want the relationship to be defined that way anymore. So you get kind of things like, why can't you get on with this? I have kind of experiences. So trauma bonding is when we bond over the same traumatic experience and it can become toxic in any relationship. This is Toby Jenkins, host of Paradigm, Insights into Relationships and You. One of the biggest stressors that we encounter is money. Money issues strain our family life, create stress in our relationships, and can provoke serious anxiety and depression. And many don't know where to turn to get relief. That's where The Darius Norman Show comes in. The Darius Norman Show airs daily on WTTA FM 101.2 from 1 to 2 p.m. Darius Norman is a certified credit and financial counselor and author of Rewriting Financial Rules. It's his objective to empower others with educational tools and services to assist them in taking control of their financial and credit issues. Tune in to The Darius Norman Show on WTTA FM 101.2 and you can follow him on Twitter at The Darius Norman Show. Uh, we are back. You're listening to Paradigm Insights into Relationships and You. I'm your host, Toby Jenkins. Today, we are talking with the founders of 4C Visuals Group, uh, Chuck Crouch and Corbin Coleman, and um, their follow-up to I'm Good Bro 1, which is I'm Good Bro 2 2020. And so, you know, one of the, one of the things about um, part two is that it captures COVID from a not an all-inclusive Black experience, but very key things in the Black experience of 2020. And we talked a little bit about, um, you know, we hit the shutdown, you were in the middle of getting uh, part one out, and and actually COVID kind of helped, you know, in, in between the, uh, during the commercial break, um, COVID was a very um, unequal experience for a lot of people. Um, and I used, for example, uh, being a, a therapist and being able for me to be able to pivot to telehealth and having more work than I knew what to do with. And that was definitely not the case for everyone. And it was a very uh, unequally experienced um, event for everyone. But, um, you know, we kind of stopped with like COVID, uh, I mean, with Kobe, uh, and then a couple of the killings that took place of black men in particular. Um, and your film does a really good job of showing specific responses to some of these really shocking events and people taking it in. Um, so where, where, where in the black experience of, of 2020 does it go next? And then what were you trying to capture and show from it? Um, I think next it was the and, and me and Chuck went back and forth with this as far as the dates, because as you stated, some things were they tried to hide up under the rug, uh, the Ahmaud Arbery and then Breonna Taylor. Like what really happened first? You know, we, we, we were trying to figure that out because, of, again, with Ahmaud Arbery, they were trying to hide that well, basically with the, the killing in Georgia. Um, so once we sort of figured that out, we just sort of lumped them together because it, it, everything seemed to happen back to back to back to back. So we wanted to film it in that from that perspective, like once we got through this, here comes something else. You know, once we got through that, here comes something else. 
you know, and it, it just, we really didn't have enough time to, to grieve. Yeah. We didn't really have enough time to heal mm-hmm. uh, in that perspective. And some of the things that we like maybe have t- t- uh, taken for granted, you know, we didn't realize how much that we would miss those things. Um, you know, there was a particular part in, in the film where I talk about uh, like my daughter, she didn't have a prom. Mm. It was her senior year of high school. She didn't have a prom. So second semester of her senior year was all from home, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, going to school online and everything. So if she didn't have a prom, guess what? She didn't have a, a traditional graduation, mm-hmm. you know, which is where my disappointment and people tell me they really felt that they saw my heartache, you know, for that you know, as maybe as trivial as it may have seemed, but, you know, as a parent, those those events, those rites of passage, those are the things that you sort of can't wait for because you realize, okay, it's her time now. You know, I've had my time, you know, other family members had their time, friends and everything. It's her time now, and she didn't get that. So that was my disappointment, my disappointment, you know. Then on top of that, of course, all the killings, you know, how do you explain that? You know, I had to yeah. check in with her to see how she was feeling. Yeah. You know, explain, you know, some of the things that <laughs> she didn't know about or or try to answer questions the best way possible. Yeah, that, that you know, I, I <laughs> that was a difficult time to be a parent um, yeah. and to be a yeah. uh, parent to black children. Um mm-hmm. My, my kids and I have teenagers and, um, we, um, we had difficult conversations. Um, one in particular that, that often comes up, um, my, my, my son is into like Dungeons and Dragons and fantasy and, uh, uh, games and that kind of stuff. And, um, he, uh, he asked us, uh, me and his, his mother, um, Hey, can I buy this sword? Oh man. Here we go. Well, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, my son at the time, he's 16 now, he was like 14. And, you know, my wife and I both looked at each other and like, mm, nope. And, and then having to have that conversation with, with my son, like, um, no, um, because it's dangerous for you. And does it feel like an, over- it felt a little, may have felt like a little bit of an overreaction, but not really. And so having mm-hmm. to have that conversation with my son, yeah, you think it's fun, but if that you take that out of this house, we don't know how that's going to be interpreted. And that could be really dangerous. Was I it had the, the same thing with my son too? The talk. I'm sorry, Sean, was it the talk, you know, what we have to give our kids in particular? You know, yeah. Like, for me it talk? was. Okay, for you. Well, well, we we had had quote unquote the talk, but this was like a further extension of that because he wanted a uh, um not the sword, but the short version. What's the uh, the dagger looking thing? Yeah. What they call it? Dagger, so I was yeah. like, I was like, hey man, um, nah, we can't do that. I was like, I don't really care about you having it, right? Just like he wanted a um, pellet gun because the the mm. boys he hang out with, you know, most of them are black. I was like, but if you were walking down the road, y'all all walking down the road, you got these pellet guns. Pellet guns look like real rifles. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah i was like nah we can't do it i was like miles you know i'm sorry but like we can't do that and i can't i can't allow you i don't 
I understand why you want it, right? Y'all out shooting squirrels or whatever. I did that when I was a kid, right? But I did it in our, in a, in a black neighborhood where people knew me and it was in the country. So like everybody, you know, it was just something you did. It wasn't a big deal, but being in a different surrounding where you have a more mixed population, like, no, we, I, I can't yeah. allow you to do that. Right. And so it yeah. was frustrating for them. Yeah, when we we can't see what we have seen in the news and on television and right. not take that into consideration. Um, right. Yeah. You know, it's weird, not not to cut your guys off, but it's kind of in the line of what y'all are saying. The the <clears throat> I, I can't remember the specific day that George Floyd happened, but if, I mean if you really and it I think May thirtieth or May twenty fifth. Yeah. yeah, it was May. I, I think and I got, it's kind of two points. I, I think the reason why that resonated so much is because we, we saw this in real time. Like, there's no footage of Breonna Taylor. There's a footage of Ahmaud Arbery, but it was way after it. But we, we watched, the nation watched that in real time. But just a quick story. My son was eight at the time. And my son likes to ride his bike. And all and I, you know, a lot of times I have to, you know how we are as fathers. So I look both ways, you know, stay focused when you're on the bike, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so, and I live, I live in a very, very good neighborhood, like no crime or nothing. So I just noticed one day there was a bunch of uh, uh, cops behind my complex. And so like any concern, you know, I was like, what's going on? And so I went back there and Jordan, my son was with me. And um, uh, a person, make a long story short, a person got hit on a bike mm. by a car. I'm not even sure if they survived it or not. So I said, well, I said, well, this will be a good learning tool for my son. There's a younger white cop, right? Excuse me, officer. You know, I said, can you... Um, you know, just it's kind of stressed the importance of bike riding safety. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Extremely nice cop. I mean, just a very nice. Call me, sir. You know, you know, son, you know, listen to your father. But I mean, just and to the point where I was like, wow, he was really nice. Like he was like the what a cop should be. Get a cat it, out of a tree. Right. <laughs> and it, it, and it, it really, it really like kind of changed my, you know, I was like, wow, they are really good. Co-. And the next day, George Floyd out. Mm, wow. The That's very next day. That's interesting because I have. Just that quick. It was, it was, <laughs> it was gone, man. You know, like, wow. yeah. I could totally see that. I, I so I'm um, involved with the nonprofit and, um, my friend Tisha, she she um, has the CMPD come in. So like, I have a whole group of cops that I'm straight cool with. Right. Right. I even see one of them at the gym where I work out. Right. And so it's really weird. It's almost confusing. Right. Because it creates also a situation where you look at somebody and like, hmm, are you really who you you know? 
mm-hmm. say you are or like who you pretend to be when we're all together or is it like uh you know something in the background it's, it's just weird because it shouldn't be that way it's like hey these are good folks right and they're with black kids because we're in a black neighborhood uh so like rec center i grew up in kind of thing like it, it, and it's really awkward to be on one hand see stuff like that but then on the other hand you have a whole group of people who are just not like that yeah and, and they have to fight against that themselves because i asked them about it and they're like well we like we're stuck yeah it's yeah. complicated um you know uh, <clears throat> i was having a discussion with another another guest and um he emphasized the point that um, when, and, and I, I think about this from a therapy standpoint that we are way more comfortable with binary choices, meaning uh, mm-hmm. all cops good or all cops bad. Um, <laughs> and, and seriously, I mean, no, that's, that's how we if we can put it in a box, but um, there's, there's way more nuance to it than to be able to simplify it that way. And it's, it's complicated, which means we have to treat it uh, like it's complicated because it is, it is. I could not imagine doing that job. I I could not imagine doing that job. Um, And uh, I know um, uh, the average citizen is not always the kindest or nicest uh, uh, to cops, to police officers as well. Well, we're up against a break. You know, we're talking with, uh, uh, Chuck Crouch and Corbin Coleman and Shine the Chef and um, we are uh, walking through um, part two of I'm Good Bro. Uh, this, uh, this part two focuses on 2020 and certain parts of the black experience of 2020 and beyond. So we'll be right back. You've got mail. You've got mail. All right. Today's listener mail comes from Carol. Carol writes, I'm recently divorced from my husband. We have two children together, six and nine. My husband insists that I get his approval before I introduce anyone I'm dating to our children. I don't think that's fair. And I think it's jealousy and just another way of him controlling me. What should I do? I think it's, I think it's fair. Fair. Okay. What, what makes yeah. it fair? Well, I mean, I, yeah. I mean, if, you know, if, if he's involved in their life, which it sounds like he is, And if it's another man that's going to be, you know, around them for a significant amount of time. Yeah. I mean, you would want to know something about this guy. You know what I'm saying? Um, I mean, that's how I look at it. You know? um, Yeah. I I don't think it's out of bounds. You know, if he just wants to, she just wants to meet him. Right. Well, she didn't say specifically, right? She didn't say specific. Mm -mm. She just said, does he need, Permission? Does she need permission? Does she need permission? Yeah. Does yeah, she know. need permission from the husband? Yeah, from the ex-husband. From the ex-husband. Yeah. To be with the dude? No, it's for introducing no, it. to the kid. To the kids. I mean, if they get serious, I wouldn't call it permission. No, I think that's just being courteous. Like if I, as a single man, you know, um, am serious with a young lady that I'm thinking about possibly marrying. You know, and I know she's going to be around my kids. I mean, I, as a courtesy, as a uh, courtesy. But you said marrying. That's a different thing than different, just maybe yeah. dating, oh. right? Dating. Okay. I'm going to say, Chuck, oh. I know you ain't do that. <laughs> <laughs> I know you ain't do that. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying, if it, got, if it got like serious, serious, then, uh-huh. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't see anything wrong with it. This is my, my question would be, my question would be, what is the issue or what happened that may have uh, caused him to not trust her judgment? Because right. That's a good it seems it seems I don't know, Toby, if this is true. It typically seems that that women are less likely to introduce their kids to a new man than a man would to a woman or introduce a woman, a new woman to his kids. So typically a woman's going to be a lot more cautious. And so I would, I would assume, or my, my stance to be like, Hey, what's the issue here in terms of the trust factor between the two of them that would make him think that that's an issue or does it really go back to control? Hmm. Hmm. And also, is, are it, is it two girls? You know, do we know the gender of these? No, we don't. Now, why would that matter? Well, I mean, if you got two girls introducing them to a, a man, you know what I mean? Like, yep. that kind of, yeah. you know, that's different. Yeah. You <laughs> know what I mean? Men, some men can be creeps. So, yeah. Yeah, some men yeah. can be creeps both ways, but, you know. Yeah, very true. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I think... Uh, what what Sean said, um, if, if this is a if this is about control, that's one thing. But you don't remember, Sean, you were on the show when we had um, Russ Uh-oh. on Russ Ewing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, I think uh, this is a divorce uh, situation. So this is one of those things that should be spelled out really clearly when you have a divorce, and that avoids all this uh, confusion. Because I think the thing, you know, it, this is a way it's kind of interesting how when divorces happen and I see this from a therapy standpoint, uh, the children become pawns or levers of control mm-hmm. and, and manipulation. So, um, so if I could quote, uh, Ross Ewing, this kind of thing spell out when you're going through mediation and get clear on, this is how we're going to operate after we, uh, go our separate ways. So if it's, you have to be together so long that you should agree on it so that everyone's on the same page. So good answer. Yeah. Don't touch that dial. We'll be right back with more Paradigm. Insights into relationships and you with Toby Jenkins. Uh, we are back. You're listening to Paradigm Insights into Relationships and You. I'm your host, Toby Jenkins. Today, I have the founders of 4C Visuals Group, uh, Charles Crouch and Corbin Coleman, and my buddy, Shine the Chef. So, um, you know, uh, we've been talking about um, I'm Good Bro Part One and I'm Good Bro Part Two 2020. And uh, Part Two sheds a light on very specific aspects of 2020. And I would say from a black perspective. And so um, we talked about the numerous kind of things and tragic things that happened and the impact it had on us across the board as a culture, as a society. And, you know, I said earlier, my rule of thumb or most therapists, their rule of thumb with stressors is that uh, three things usually the most we can deal with. But, you know, as a society, we're dealing with way more (laughs) than three things. And we, we saw the fallout. Um, but uh, one thing that's become clear at this point in 2022 is that uh, the demographic that is 
has had the most increases in um, mental health issues, suicide ideation, suicide attempts are black teenagers. Um, and I can't, I, I don't want to give the wrong number, but in the last six or seven years, um, the number of black teens has, who have uh, attempted suicide has tripled or quadrupled and it's, it's growing. And so just for perspective, um, it's teens are not the highest, uh, in terms of rates of, of suicide. And so when you look at demographics, it's that black teenagers are growing at a faster rate than a lot of other demographics. And so we can't, and I don't think we'll know um, for a while what the last two or three years have done. Cause I know, I know across the board, you know, uh, Corbin, you talked about uh, the experience of your daughter who missed graduation. My daughter too, didn't have a graduation dressed up for a prom. She and five or six of her girlfriends had their own little mini prom uh, and so that that's kind of there's some things that were just missing. But um, but your film touches on that. And so one of the things that you talk about or one of the guests on or one of the uh, mental health specialists talk about is the role of vicarious trauma. Mm -hmm. And so yes. uh, vicarious trauma is essentially you being traumatized by the trauma of others. And so in particular, like we talked a little bit about George Floyd. And mm -hmm. so all of us are in that age demographic. Yeah. And so it's very easy for us to put ourselves in the position that George Floyd was in and experience that trauma, even though we weren't there. And I, I've probably said this before. I still have not watched um, the whole thing um, too much for me. Um, but, um, you know, I, I was also, <laughs> so your, your film plays, both films play a significant role. And one of the roles, I, I, I haven't talked to you guys since uh, two years ago, but um, I facilitated a screening of your film at a fraternity uh, convention in the state of Kentucky. And it created an opening for this room of 100 men, young men, to uh, be vulnerable and talk about some of their struggles and to be affirmed by uh, this large group of men to say, it's okay. And getting help is okay. And these are conversations that I don't think would have happened without the films you make. So your films play a very significant role. And it's one of those things well, I'm assuming, and I'm, I'm probably pretty good, uh, pretty good assumption that it's like um, you give it to one person, they give it to three people, and then it spreads and has tentacles. But it's definitely a conversation that we, uh, we need to have, um, which is why I went into the work I do, because a lot of men, well, the field of mental health is dominated by, by women, and a lot of men will not go to therapy uh, because they don't feel like they're understood. I mean, so, you can you can you can barely get a man to go to the regular doctor, man. <laughs> well, <laughs> so, they that's true too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, it's you know, and I and it makes me feel good. I'm, I and I'm sure Corbin shares the same sentiment to know that 
you know, that our, our, our film is being shown um, in places that we don't know, you know about. I mean, like, that's, that's awesome to me. Yeah. You know, to know that, um, you know, somebody may be showing it right now, you know, um, because, uh, you know, it's, and Corbin to tell you, I mean, we didn't, when we made this film, I mean, it was our first film. We were learning as we go, uh, editing, and I mean, all of this. Um, and, I, you know, we just wanted to get some awareness out. We we had no idea that it would just grow legs like it did. Yeah. So, I mean, and I, I mean, that's awesome that it's, it's touching so many people. I mean, you know, and Corbin can tell you, like, at the screenings and stuff, I mean, man, it's just opening up just to our mouths are just a gate, like, mm-hmm. wow. I mean, just sharing stuff like, hey, I've never said this before. Yeah. So it's, I mean, it's yep. it's a conversation piece and, you know, that's 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 why we did it. So I, I, appreciate, I appreciate it, man. Yeah, and, and it's, you know, um, like I, we never thought in a million years, we just wanted to provide information. We didn't know yeah. it was going to do all of this. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, and to the point where, you know, we had a following. People were asking us, you know, mm-hmm. well, we want to do a part two. And that was like the reason we did a part two, the people were asking for it. Oh, yeah. We didn't know it was going to talk about, you know, 2020, you know, pandemic and everything like that. That we were going to talk about something completely different. We we're going to be more solution focused. Mm-hmm. at that point but um it just like you said grew, grew legs of its own and it's still doing it now i mean yeah. you know you know if we have an ask we're almost at twenty thousand views so wow. yeah so so we're we're close so i think we're just maybe either right at a thousand short of twenty thousand. so by the time this plays toby you know maybe we'll be <laughs> at 20, 000, i don't know so, so 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 tell people to watch it you know and share <laughs> the first we'll do one. yeah that is a huge milestone you know especially for a first time film first time yeah, yeah. it's a huge yeah. you know milestone um you know especially with it being just was it just short of an hour you know usually uh, yeah. that doesn't get that many views you know granted it's been almost three years but that's still a lot <laughs> you know views so well, you actually got me thinking uh, about showing it at our next. I have what I call the fellas table mm-hmm. where we got. So I have uh, my nephew. Well, I call them both my nephews. One of them is actually my nephew. Two of them, uh, two of my boys, me and my son. And we're, we're going to grow it. But we sit down every other week. Mm-hmm. We just got we just did our second one, like starting it back up. We were doing it pre-COVID mm-hmm. and just do like have real conversations whether it's about girls whether it's about like life skills Mm -hmm. direction whatever you want to say and man like I was sitting here thinking like man maybe I'll show it and then we'll have a discussion next time um you know this week it was kind of light but the one before that we kind of did a check-in similar to uh uh was it I am athlete yeah like what are you at yeah yeah where we at right that's in the whole conversation bro we were three hours talking just from mm-hmm. hey where are you at no right and i even had a chance for my son he revealed some things uh that he went through during a uh, divorce mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And that was the first time he's ever done that. And he was the one who was like, yo, daddy, like, when are we going to do this again? And, oh, I need to bring some of my friends because it's a different feel. It's a different, he sees it. It's like, man, this is, feels good. Like, and I'm with other men and we get to learn. And like, we learn as, as the old kids from the young dudes, right? <laughs> About different things that we you know, we're looking at them like, what in the world is going on? And then they explain to you like, dang, you know, that makes sense, right? But before that, it didn't make sense, you know? So it's it's really cool, man, just to see how your film impacts people and then they can, you know, share that with others mm-hmm. and it grows. And if we can continue to do that, then, you know, it'll, it'll help this thing that's happening mm-hmm. amongst us and actually help us start to realize how many, um, how much trauma we have in our community. Mm. You know what I mean? And try to, you know, like as a whole, and maybe start having not only we're victims, but stop the victim mentality and get into, okay, so how do we fix this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. You, you, um, you said one of the, one of the key vocabulary words, which is, which is trauma. And mm-hmm. uh, to, there's a very good book out there. I, um, it's called uh, My Grandmother's Hands. Um, oh, yeah. You've read it? Yeah. That book is I deep, isn't it? it? Um, and the thing, the, 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 one of the things that really struck me out of that book was um, uh, from a medical science standpoint, we were beginning, be, beginning to learn that um, we, we pass trauma on generation to generation. Mm-hmm. Um, some of it's genetic, some of it's behavioral. Yeah. But the um, the estimate is that um, it takes multiple generations to uh, like work out a trauma, like a significant trauma. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's just not for people of color. Uh, that's for that's for everybody, because, I mean, if you look around the world, um, both currently and historically, there's always some type of conflict going on in people experiencing trauma yeah. and you just don't walk away from it in your generation, it passes on. And so that trauma is deep. And then, you know, I could talk about trauma all day. (laughs) Um, Now, one experience I have had with men in therapy is that um, they've normalized trauma. So this experience I've had as a kid, doesn't everybody do that? Doesn't everybody experience that? And it's kind of like, no, not everybody does or should because, and that's, that's a trauma. Um, and so we don't look at it that way, but, um, but anyway, so today I'm joined by Charles Crouch and Corbin Coleman. They are the founders of the 4C Visuals Group and their recent documentary film is I'm Good Pro 2 2020. This film is being featured at the Charlotte Black Film Festival, June 23rd through 26th. If you're in the area, it's a great event and support black filmmakers by attending. So, uh, we'll see you next week for part two. Toby at ParadigmRadioShow.com. You can find archive shows and additional details about guests of the show at the show's website, www.ParadigmRadioShow.com. You can follow weekly one-minute insight posts on the show's Instagram and Twitter feed at Paradigm Radio Show. For archived episodes, you can find episodes wherever you subscribe to podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify. 
Insights into Relationships and You is brought to you by Jenkins Professional Services and Hype Media Global. Thank you for tuning into Paradigm. Insights into Relationships and You with Toby Jenkins. Join us again 